0: Well, hello and thank you once again for joining me, Robert Barclay, for another episode of Inside Jobs, the podcast for in-house agencies, about in-house agency leaders, and brought to you by the In-House Agency Forum, or have, in partnership with EKCS, who help in-house agencies do more through outsource production. Now my guest today, Jen Perry, has joined the in-house world after a career working for some of the grandest and most dazzling names in the big agency business. Now at Constant Contact, you're applying all the lessons learned leading the Constant Contact's brilliant creative team. Now, Jen, apparently, first of all, thank you very much for joining me. Of you're welcome.
1: Happy to be here. Thank you.
0: Well, I hope I don't blindside you with the first question because I, I, uh, I understand you started in the agency business pretty young. Is that right?
1: <laughs> yes, at, at the tender age of 12.
0: Okay. Well, so you, what, you were re- recruited by Hill Holiday or what, what happened? <laughs>
1: yes, I became an intern at Hill Holiday. <laughs> no, um, <clears throat> what happened was I, at, from a very young age, was fascinated by commercials. And I'm not really sure where that fascination came from, but I uh, I quickly learned that I could make fake parody commercials with a new piece of equipment that my grandfather had acquired, which was very exciting at the time. I'm probably dating myself by saying this, but my grandfather had a video camera and nobody else in my family had one. Wow. So nobody had one. Nobody had one. So he was the only one and he would allow me to take it and borrow and use it to film my little commercials. And so I would script them out. You know, I would have, um, some sort of a, something resembling a storyboard um <laughs> and my poor little sister would have to act them How out How old is your sister? She is 5 years younger than I am and <laughs> so yeah so when I was 12 she was well let me see if I can do math 7 guess. And she couldn't really say no, you know. And and she thought I was cool at the time, so she wanted to, you know. Anything the big sister wanted to do, she wanted to be a part of it. So.
0: Well, I guess we all we're going to find out what happened to you. Um, is she big in Hollywood now?
1: Oh yes, huge. Yes. Excellent.
0: <laughs> good. Good. So you can always say you gave her a leg up to. Her yeah, dazzling, I did. I gave her a big Hollywood break. Career. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I hope she made the most of it, and is always appreciative. <laughs> well, you were clearly an early starter, but uh, let's just quickly zoom forward. Uh, tell the listeners, uh, what do you do now? And uh, we'll, then we'll tuck into the deep dive.
1: Okay, sure. So today I am the Senior Director of Creative at a company called Constant Contact, and it is a tech brand that helps small businesses build their businesses. And so um, competitors would be things like MailChimp or Klaviyo. Um, and so it's a it's a digital marketing platform that small businesses use to promote their businesses so they can send emails they can post to social they can create social ads they can create google ads they can manage their customer relationships and their data about their customers and so it's a really neat platform and it's expanding all the time and adding new tools and new features like sms for example and so it's been really cool to see over the past four years how the brand has grown and how it's changed, and the different features that have been added to the product, and how the c- customers are reacting to those features and using those features. Um, and so, right now, I have an internal creative team. Uh, we are today there are seventeen roles on the team. Two open Rex, so we're looking for oh, we're looking okay. for designers. PSA, yeah. we you need to <laughs> yeah, okay. right. But yeah, that's grown from when I first. Kind of took the helm of the Constant Contact creative team. I think there was a handful of people, let's say five. And so it's grown a lot since then and changed a lot since then. Okay. Well,
0: let's let's come back to that. But I think you're being far too modest about Constant Contact. I'd be amazed if any listeners don't know what Constant Contact is. It's uh, been around, I think, since 95. Is that right? Yes. Yep. So let's go back. When you were 12, where exactly were you and what were the ads that were inspiring you so much?
1: Well, I was in New Hampshire. So right off the bat, you know, I, I grew up in a small town. There's not much, you know, not much glamour going on there. <laughs> and so I was always fascinated by the world of sort of um, television production and, you know, shiny magazines with, you know, these beautiful photos of these famous people and and the whole world of, you know, commercials, how, would, how did they get made? Where did they come from? There's obviously somebody in this world that made these ads that I'm seeing every day. Um, I didn't know much about the industry at all. Obviously, I was 12. Um, <laughs>
0: and your, par- your parents weren't from the business then? They
1: were not. They, my mom is a special ed teacher um, for, you know, 30, 30 plus years. And my father, um, he, he was a corporate recruiter for a long time, but not in this industry. So they neither one of them had any connection to this industry at all, um, and so yeah, I, I honestly couldn't tell you what fascinated me about it so much. But I think it's just that I was always a creative kid. I always liked I liked making things. I was always a person that was making things and tinkering. Let's say I was ten, so a little bit before the, <laughs> a little bit before the beginning of my ad career, I was an inventor. Yeah. Oh. Um. <laughs> So I was I was an entrepreneur. I was an inventor. Can you, can you
0: remember any of your inventions though? Jen? Oh,
1: oh yes. Um so I one thing that I did with my father uh at a young age, he he helped me to do to create these inventions. So I was part of something called the Invention Convention at my school. And this was in middle school and I participated I think about 3 years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm waiting
0: so, for the invention. That's it. Come on, let's not work yeah, about that. So voice.
1: well, the thing is, is these inventions exist today. So I was clearly on to something. So I think the first one was it was some sort of cover for your bike seat that lived inside the bike seat, like underneath, and you would you would pull it out and put it over the top of your whole bike. So that was that was I think the first one. Then there was a I don't know how to describe this, a a toothpaste tube. Like squeezing device. Oh yeah, they exist. Yeah, <laughs> which I've seen exists. Those. Yeah, yep. they do. Yeah. Yep. So I built that, and then the other one was an automated cat litter box cleaner, which again exists today.
0: Well, I, I haven't got cats, but I know people with them, and they could definitely benefit from those too. So <laughs> it's uh, it's just. It's a tragedy really. I mean your career's been stellar, but goodness me, how how different it could have been, you know, you're right. rubbing shoulders with Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and all the rest of them, but uh, <laughs> but you clearly had this fixation about advertising and the glamour of advertising, which we all know is 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 ever present in our lives. Um and uh you uh you went on into the industry for some years. What was the bit in between? Did you go and how did you study to get into advertising? What which path did you take?
1: Yeah, so I still wasn't 100% sure, you know, as Any 18-year-old, I don't think, you know, I don't think a lot of them are 100% sure what they want to do. And so I knew I wanted to do something within the sort of creative, you know, or communications world or marketing world or, you know, at the time I was still really into magazines. So I had it in my head that maybe I would be an editor. Um, So I wasn't 100% sure. So I went, you know, and did the classic communications major, which is, you know, very broad. And so that way, you know, I could sort of dabble in all different aspects of sort of a communications major and what that entailed. And so I went to Ithaca College in upstate New York. I went to the Park School of Communications, which is a very uh, well-known communications school, and kind of exploring what I wanted to do. So I think it was sophomore or junior year of college, just on a whim, I took an advertising concepting course. And so the whole course was about, you know, coming up with ideas for ads and creating those ads and then presenting the ads to the team to the not the team the class and getting their feedback. And right off the bat, you know, from probably the very first assignment, I realized that this is what I should be doing. I just really gravitated towards it. I loved being in the class. It was so much fun coming up with ideas and, you know, I I'm, I'm not an art director. I'm I you know, I, I have a copywriter background, but I really enjoyed coming up with ideas. I think that's really what it comes down to is I realized that I am a person who should be coming up with ideas that is what I like to do and I found a way to do that in my career and so from there I made the decision that I want to go into advertising as a creative and so that's kind of I started researching what that meant and what that entailed and very soon realized that many people go to these very expensive portfolio schools after undergrad and I'm you know I'm from New Hampshire. I'm not from, you know, uh, I'm not from a very well-to-do background. I knew that I could not afford to go to ad school after undergrad. My whole plan was always, you know, get a job right after undergrad. Don't move home, you know, move to New York City immediately and get a job. That's kind of what my right. plan was.
0: Well, get a job you did. And uh, it, it's it's fascinating to see the names. You just, uh, you, you were at Lowe, first yes. of all. Yep. Then then Deutsch, BBDO. Yes, Yes. Y&R, Arnold, Mullinlowe, Hill Holiday. I mean, that's that's quite a a lineup of agencies. (laughs) Yep, Um, I made
1: the rounds. Yep.
0: You definitely made the rounds, but uh, clearly you learned something from all of them, and you worked with some fabulous brands. I think.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I also really was proud of myself for sort of the way that I built my career because I didn't go to one of these ad schools, so I had to figure out a way. To get my foot in the door somewhere, like an somehow. apprenticeship,
0: almost was exactly, it then?
1: exactly. So I became a creative assistant at Low New York, which is now Mullen Low. Um And was and, it
0: hard to get the job? Did you have to really bang on doors a lot to get the job, or was or, or not? not? Did it college help, or I mean, how how did that come about? Because getting that first foothold can sometimes be quite hard.
1: It can be for sure, and I think because I, you know, had the had the background I did, and I was just so tenacious about it. I I knew that I had to get my foot in the door somehow. I was looking at all different kinds of ways to do so, even jobs that were not in the creative department, but just in an agency, you know, just some sort of assistant job. Um, and so I happened upon this, I applied to the job. And this was before I had even graduated college. And so I was taking the bus, which was about a five-hour bus ride. I was taking the bus from Ithaca, New York, down to New York City several times to interview. So five hours there and back. Because I had it in my head that I have to secure a job before I graduate so that I don't have to move home. I just really wanted to go directly to New York and, you know, start my adult life. And so, yeah, so I think that's that's why I ended up, you know, landing that job was really just my my tenacity. I, I was not going to give up. I was going to secure a job before I graduated. So... Well-
0: you indicated that uh, to me when we when we spoke earlier that that this was you know a fascinating life very creative working with some extremely creative people on some fabulous brands but it gave you a fairly one dimensional view of marketing and advertising mainly yes. the advertising side so so tell us about the the move you made uh, what four four years ago or so now when yes. you actually left and stepped into the in-house agency world how did that come about
1: so yeah so four years ago well, four and a half years ago, I had my first child. So I have I have a daughter. And, you know, with that came a lot of kind of soul searching about the agency life and, you know, pitching and weekends and late nights and all the stress. And I had started to see this trend of really talented people starting to go in-house. I don't know if you remember, but, you know, years ago, it used to be this, this kind of stigma where it's like, oh, in-house is where you go, you know, where where your career goes to die. That, you know, that was kind of what everybody said about going in-house, right? So there was a big, there was a lot of stigma around it. And so I had never really necessarily considered that as an option for me. But then I started to see a change and I started to see, you know, really talented people go and work directly for brands. And I became really intrigued by that and said, well, you know, if they can do it, why not me? And so I started researching it more. I started, you know, reading articles about people that had gone from agency to in-house, and just, you know, kind Did
0: anyone of, come to mind? Any particular ones that come to mind? In-house agencies that you were you were intrigued by?
1: Well, you know, if you look at um, if you look at brands like Squarespace, Netflix, Amazon, Twitter, Google, Facebook, they all have in-house agencies at this point, you know. And so, some really prestigious leaders have gone and now work in-house. Like, for example. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, so I'm sorry if I'm not. But Tor Myron, he is now a VP of marketing at Apple. And he used to be, you know, a really prestigious creative agency leader. And so that's just one example that comes to mind. But there are so many different people, um, you know, that I've seen over the past, let's say, five years going in-house. And so, so around that time, about four years ago, it really just kind of got me thinking, that you know, this may be a real option for me, how do I do it? You know, Because <laughs> everyone I know is an agency person, every recruiter I know is an agency recruiter, so how do I do this? Um, that was the part that I didn't really have a lot of answers for, and I think now today, for, for some odd years later, there are a lot more options for people like me who were sort of this agency person that had no idea how to go in-house, I think there's... You just
0: knew you wanted to. You felt that that would give you a better quality of life having yes. read everything that you did. Exactly. So, so how did specifically Constant Contact
1: come along then? I believe that a recruiter reached out to me about the job. So at the time, Constant Contact was owned by a larger company called Endurance. And, no, you know, I had never heard of Endurance. You know, that's, oh, it's a weird name. It's in the suburbs. Um, I don't know anything about it. It At the time, Endurance owned Constant Contact and several other tech brands, right? And so the job that I had seen posted was for Endurance to come on and be a creative director. Um, and I th- I think a recruiter reached out to me. You always take the call, right? Like at least that's that's yeah. kind of the way that I look at it is always take the call, you know. Were you
0: in the market at this point? Had you spoken to recruitment agencies or they, yeah. did they just call you? Well, oh, no, okay. I oh. I
1: started looking around when, uh, you know, at the beginning of that year. So kind of, I came back from maternity leave and kind of immediately started exploring my options. So this happened quite quickly then. Right, right, exactly. And so at the time, this is what's really interesting is, you know, I went and I interviewed and I talked to people and it was actually, it was, at first I was like, what is this company? I've never heard of Endurance, you know, it's in the suburbs. I went in the office was really nice. It kind of looked like an ad agency. You know, it was all open and, you know, exposed beams and all this. It was cool. You know, it was a cool office. Yeah. And so that made me feel better about it. And uh, you know, I met I met with a bunch of different people. I really liked them. And so that was all very encouraging, but I had a couple of other options too at the time, right? And so I had been interviewing at other in-house in, with other in-house creative groups. So I actually turned this job down at first. And then they reached back out to me, I think it was like a couple of weeks later or a month later, and said, Hey, you know, would you reconsider this? We we've changed XYZ about the job. And so I said, Yeah, sure. You know, I'll talk to I'll talk to you again. And I did, and I kind of re-engaged with them and ended up taking the job.
0: And and this was this was to do content, right? Am I am I right? That was your first job? It wasn't it wasn't to run an in-house agency. This was to No, it wasn't
1: to no, it wasn't to do content, but it was It was to be a creative director across all four of those brands that Endurance owned, Constant Contact being one of them. Right. I see. Okay. Yeah. This is
0: Bluehost, HostGator,
1: and Domain.com. Right. right? Exactly. Exactly. And so at the time, the way that the creative team was set up was sort of enterprise level where it was across everything. Yeah. And so then Endurance was acquired about a year ago. And so things changed then.
0: Okay, so, so tell us how that has evolved then over the years and then, and then let's dive a little bit into what the in-house operation is that you've got and how it
1: works. Okay, so about a year after I joined, I was still working across, you know, Constant Contact and other tech brands. The CMO at the time had decided that he wanted a creative leader to be allocated specifically to each brand. And so at that point, the VP of Brand and Creative at the time assigned me to Constant Contact, which was the biggest brand that we had. It was, you know, the most lucrative and I believe had the biggest team or at least, you know, it was the same size team as Bluehost and then the other two had, you know, smaller teams. And at the time, I think it was about five people when I kind of took the helm of the Constant Contact creative team. So from there, that was, I think that was in 2019. Yep that I kind of took over as the leader of the Constant Contact team And what was the
0: overarching mission that you were given then? Was there like a long-term strategy or was this purely a tactical thing that, uh, that, you know, kind of respond to marketing requirement type thing?
1: I think it was just a tactical, you know, the CMO at the time wanted people to be really entrenched in all aspects of the brand, which at the time I was sort of iffy on because, you know, again, coming in as an agency creative, you're used to working on tons of different brands all at one time. And that's kind of part of the... That's part of the appeal, I guess, of, of agency life is that you get to learn a bunch of different brands and you get to, you know, t- speak in different brand voices and, you know, there's, it's just a lot more variety. And so right. that was kind but you're of You're doing
0: very specific things for many brands, but you, you have right. the opportunity here I guess to do many things for a specific brand. Exactly. Right?
1: So it's just a it's a flip. And It's
0: a flip, yeah. You know,
1: at the time I wasn't 100% sold on the idea, to be honest. But now but did I Did you
0: have one one foot kind of halfway back out looking at the market again at that point? No, or no,
1: not, it, not, not looking not at the market far. again, but just, you know, I wasn't I wasn't sold that I wanted to only focus on one brand. Yeah. Interesting, you know, yeah. But now I really actually like that a lot. because so what, com- what, what convinced you? Yeah, go on. Yeah, because I'm involved in every single consumer touchpoint for the brand. So, you know, off the top of my head, I know what's going on in email. I know what's going on in front of site. I know what's going on in social. I know what's going on in video, on YouTube, on TV, on radio. So, you know, right off the top of my head, I am involved in every single thing that I just listed, plus a lot more. And so it gives me a sense of ownership over the brand in a way that I hadn't had previously and gives me a chance to connect the dots across all of those touch points. Because I think one of the problems at the time, and that's probably one of the motivations that the CMO had, one of the problems at the time was that things felt disjointed. They felt disconnected or you know, teams were working on one project over here, but then over here in another channel there's another team doing a project that is in no way connected to, you know, that other team's project. So I think one of the goals was to kind of bring everything together and not have everything feel disjointed and make sure that everybody is, you know, saying the same things, no matter if you're talking about the brand in an email or you're talking about it on front of site or you're in a video, et cetera.
0: Right. So brand brand continuity, which I I guess is Obviously, what everyone's trying to achieve, and, and and the simple answer was get the same person responsible across the, across the whole story. The right, whole exactly. So you have a relatively small team compared to others of, uh, I think you said 17 with yes. a couple of open positions? Yes. How on earth can you manage to handle <laughs> all of that spread of work? And I presume, are we just talking North America or are we talking UK as well? Because I know your, your market's international.
1: Yeah, we, we do market internationally. But yes, my primary focus is North America,
0: yeah. So, so, so how on earth do you manage all of this stuff with, uh, with, with a handful of people that you have?
1: That is a great question. Uh-huh. They must be amazing people. I
0: think that's probably what it is, well, They're all yeah. extraordinary super people. We
1: do. We do have some amazing people, I will say. Um, but I think too, you know, one of the things that I have learned a ton about since I came brand side is operations. So that is something that they do not teach you as an agency creative at all. So, you know, there was a huge learning curve there. But now, you know, I, I have, you know, I'm very well versed in making recommendations on things like staffing and budgets and timelines, you know, so I'm able to kind of look out, you know, on, uh, look out across the horizon and see what's coming and put a plan in place to be able to attack that because, you know, you're right, I do have a small team and the volume of work has increased a ton, you know, so we have to have plans in place for how we're going to handle that. So, you know, there... And what are your plans? What I mean, <laughs> do, not,
0: not at a highest level, what are the plans? They don't need to be specific, but I'm I'm curious. How do you manage it?
1: Well, there are certain things that we have to outsource, you know, and so we outsource things and we oversee them. So, you know, it's my job and the job of my head of operations who I work very closely with. Um it's our job to work together to decide, you know, what should our team, what should our core team handle and what can we outsource and have them sort of oversee. So, for example, you know, high volume digital display, right? So you could do something where your team sets up the creative and then you outsource all of the, you know, hundreds of different sizes that need to be created and animated and things like that. So, that's just one example.
0: So, it's focusing on the creative is your strategy then. It's focus on the creative and then the the kind of rote work that comes out of that is is what you'd be prepared to outsource.
1: Right, exactly. That's the goal. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's something that we're working on right now because Constant Contact acquired another company in fall of last year. And so that company, we're tasked now with sort of folding into Constant Contact. And so that comes with a whole other, you know, bucket of work that we've got to figure mm. out how to, mm. how to, you know, how to get it done this year. And then we're also working on kind of a brand visual refresh and messaging refresh as well. So that's... Okay, with your team of 17. (laughs) Right. Okay. Right. So again, that's another situation where we'll probably bring in some external, you know, writing and design resources and our team will oversee that. Right.
0: Right. Wow. Okay. So, um, in terms of the way you work with your with the business and the marketers, uh, you did you just we've touched on this a couple of times, but you are learning a lot more about kind of what lies behind the the agency world. You're you're much more involved in marketing than you were before. Can you talk a little bit about
1: that? Yes, it is definitely very eye opening coming, you know, coming <laughs> into a brand.
0: All those terrible things you said about your customers years ago, <laughs> you now know why they did what they did. Right,
1: right, right. right. Yeah, you know, that's true though, that's true. Uh, you know, one thing that I've, well, one of the many things I've learned in this role is that clients are just people they're just people that are dealing with a lot more than just your ad that you're, you know, meeting yeah, about. You're just a small part of their world. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah, right. that's it. Yeah. And so it's really, it has been very eye-opening for me. And, you know, to be honest, I was kind of a fish out of water at first. Um, it's, it's a big leap to go from, you know, creativity and advertising is your whole world all day, every day. And the whole company is structured around that, right? So everything about an agency is... Is about you know creativity and advertising, and then you walk into this you know brand, and you realize that that's just one tiny little piece of of the day to day, and you know you are you are somewhat a fish out of water, and you're interacting with people who have absolutely nothing to do with what you do, which is you know at first it is a little you know, kind of throws you off balance, right? So it's a lot to get used to when you spent your whole life, you know, at these big ad agencies. But I definitely, I feel like it's been amazingly uh, educational for me. I learned a ton about marketing and I find it really fascinating because marketing is, it's so much bigger than advertising. It's from anything from, you know, pricing and packaging to, you know, how you're presenting the brand at events To things like, you know, to things that I honestly had not touched the entire time I've worked at an agency, like emails. I had not written a single email the entire time I worked at ad agencies, which was 15, 16 years, you know? So there are different channels that I've learned about and, you know, different ways that marketing influences a brand that you may not even realize is marketing. You know,
0: well, it it sounds like we should whisper this, but it's given you, uh, uh, shall we say, a new respect for marketers.
1: <laughs> that is absolutely true. It really is, wow. and you know, okay. and I tell my team that all the time that the reason why, the reason why we came brand side in the first place is because we don't want to think of it as servicing clients. We want to think of it as partnering with marketers, and. It, there's a big difference, you know. They are our partners. They are our coworkers. We are all working to make one brand succeed. It matters just as much to me as it matters to anybody else, you know, because we—I don't work for an, a separate company. I work for the same company as all the marketers do.
0: And, and do they have to come to you for creative or are you part of a mix for them in terms of external creative agencies and so on?
1: They pretty much come, any creative pretty much comes through my team. So even if it's being outsourced, my team is overseeing it. And so, so you make
0: that easy for marketers. They don't have to worry about managing any externals because you just take care of that for them.
1: Right, right. And we're in the process of trying to, you know, fold in some of the external work that was being done by the, you know, company that we just acquired, like I mentioned. So there's, you know, there's there's a lot of process and, and stuff like that that we're still working out. But yes, that is the general way that we you know, the way that we view creative is, you know, everything should come through my team, whether it is being outsourced or whether it's being done in-house. That way, just like you said earlier, that way it ensures brand consistency. And that's something that we're really working hard on right now at Constant Contact is making sure that the messaging feels super consistent and tight no matter, you know, what touch point you're seeing. Um, and no matter what channel you're, you know, looking at an ad or an email or whatever, it all it should all feel very consistent. It should feel like the same brand voice and kind of the same general messaging and the same look and feel. <laughs> it's you're like
0: definitely wasting money if you're not doing that. You're definitely right. wasting money if you're not doing it that. It sounds very well, basic,
1: it, it, but it's, you know, it's not easy sometimes.
0: It's not easy and you see it all the time. You can see it on the supermarket shelf sometimes with the same brands representing itself with slightly different shades of red or, or whatever. Right. So even you know, in a very basic level, uh, it, it's gotten wrong a lot. Is there any ambition for you at the moment? Is there any ambition left? You've, you've done so much and, uh, you know, I have to say you're not that old. So, so <laughs> where, Thank
1: where do you want to head next? Um, well, that's a great question. You know, I think there's still a ton of work to be done here, you know, with my team and with this brand. We are, you know, embarking, as I said, on sort of a, a visual and messaging refresh, which that is a ton of work. And so, you know, my team definitely will have their work cut out for them for the rest of this year and beyond. So that's a big deal for sure. And like I said, Constant Contact is always adding new capabilities and new tools that, you know, naturally need new brand messaging to go along with them. So there's no shortage of work to be done.
0: Well, that's, that, that's fantastic so so it's been amazing hearing your journey there jen if if people want to reach out and uh, and have a chat with you or learn more about what you're doing what's the best way for them to do that
1: sure yeah anybody can feel free to email me at i think my email is jennifer perry Oh, my, my mom is the only person that calls me jennifer <laughs> but my email is jennifer.perry at constantcontact.com and our team, I, I can do a little plug here too, our, t- our team actually has a team Instagram page that's really fun. Uh, so I believe that is, I believe the handle is CTCT Creative. And so you could get a little glimpse into what it's like to be a part of our internal creative team. We do have a lot of fun. I will
0: say. Absolutely. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear it. And I want to thank you so much for your time on this interview and telling us about your journey towards the appreciation of marketers, apart from anything else. (laughs) (laughs) I want to... I want to thank our uh, fabulous partners I have and my team at EKCS for the marvellous production and editing support for this podcast and all the other stuff they do. If you've not come across the Inside Jobs podcast before, a very warm welcome. Check out the website at ijpodcast.com and see the ever-expanding back catalogue of episodes to which we now add proudly Jen Perry of Constant Contact. If you have any thoughts or ideas, feel free to drop a comment there or you can sign up to the very intermittent Uh, IJ newsletter. I try and reply to each email and each LinkedIn uh, contact uh, as they come so please drop me a line there tell me what you think of the podcast. Jen once again thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much it's been a lot of fun.
0: Now just before airing this episode Jen got in touch with us to let us know that she's moving on now from constant contact. We wish her well and we know that she's sure to carry on her enthusiasm and advocacy for the in-house model. Good luck, Jen.